about me again I hit you with you with the shovel <laughs> bow oh you know what movie I saw recently is so I've seen recently I've watched three movies yeah two of which were so bad I forgot about the third that I'd seen before them um so I struck out twice with Kingpin I watched it because I love bowling you know I figured how you know, I know it's not going to be nearly as good as the other Bowling movie I know. Big, Big Lebowski. <laughs> but it should still be fun. And it was a little bit, but it was mostly shitty. So it was hard to get through it. I barely did. It's got Woody Harrelson in it. And he plays like him, himself at two or three different like time periods in his life. But it's still like 40-year-old 
Justin every time, so it's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Bill Murray's in it as this antagonist bowler. It's just this piece of shit that's such a dickhead, it's, like, not even fun for the audience anymore. Antagonist bowler? That's, like, a fucking awesome, like, yeah. online username. He goes by Big Earn. Big Ernie. Ernie. Antagonist Bowler has joined the chat. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Bowler Bully. Then I watched The Ginger Dead Man starring Gary Busey as the, as the Ginger Dead Man himself. I knew that was going to suck. I, you know, I knew it was going to be like a fun, hokey, fun, hokey, goofy, you know, B-horror movie. Yeah. It was, but they missed so many opportunities. Like, the, the whole movie took place in one shitty bakery, which was a really lousy setting. You know, they could have at least capitalized on, like, a Christmas theme, since he's a fucking gingerbread man, but there's no hint of that. The characters were fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. And, like, the writing sucked, but, like, I didn't want it to be good. You know, it can't be something called Ginger Dead Man. Right. Then the third movie I watched, before both of those, it was really awesome, was The Ritual. You guys seen The Ritual? The Ritual's cool. Yeah. I haven't. It's on Netflix. It's freaky as hell. You'll never want to go camping again. Oh, shit. For, I didn't really care for the first, like, seven-eighths of the movie, but the ending is awesome. One of the coolest creature designs I've ever seen. I have to disagree with you. I was a little bit less interested when I started to understand what the creature actually was. I think it was more titillating yeah. before I knew what it was. Like Jaws, you never see the monster, right? But, yeah. But it was good. Like Bird Box? And it, it's a good ending, too. You're right. He's just like you screaming at it. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Fuck you! Tori, you just mentioned Bird Box. I haven't seen it, but I've heard either people say, oh, it's awesome, or some people say, it's it. trash. You didn't like it? I haven't seen it. Oh, I like it. I don't want to watch it because I, I know I'm not going to like it. Why wouldn't you like it? Because. Because everyone else likes it's it. It's hype culture. It makes you feel any better. As pretentious as it sounds, yes. I agree with you. And I thought the same thing. I didn't really give a shit either way if it was good or bad. And I'd already blown Tori like three times. Blown off <laughs> Tori <laughs> like three times. All right, well, that's three times. Getting tired of this. Let's watch a movie or something. <laughs> And I finally watched it, not giving a shit, and it's actually pretty good. It starts out stronger than it ends. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a shot. It's awesome. good. I, my joke consensus is, it's good. That's it. I don't know why people are raving about it. I mean, I do, but whatever. <sighs> there are some really strong moments, and there's some really weak moments. <clears throat> Oh, John Malkovich makes the movie, though. Oh, yeah. I remember he's in that. <laughs> I love John Malkovich. Have you seen Being John Malkovich? Of course. Of course I have. That's, a, that's I probably have. the weirdest movie I've ever seen, actually. Weirdest movie you've ever seen? Really? Mm-hmm. This is a Charlie Kaufman movie, right? Yeah. Charlie Kaufman and, and John Malkovich. It was really weird. I like that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Scott Disick. Well, seeing seeing John Malkovich with like some big being poking out. No, like in the end, he's like everybody. Everybody has John Malkovich's head on, including this this big titted gal in the restaurant, yeah. whatever. And like he's he's blonde, he's bald and gross looking. Seeing his head on the body of like some thirty year old woman was really off putting. But whatever. Yeah, whatever. I might have watched it about you. I don't think you really care for it. I think I might have fallen John Cusack in it. Oh, yeah, John Cusack. I was thinking Scott Disick. Huh? For some reason, I had the Scott, name Scott Disick in my mind. <laughs> it also has John, uh, John, what's his name in it? John, uh, it's like... Oh, Malka... Malka... Chalk. Chalk? Malka Chalk, yeah. Malka Chalk. Malka Chalk Chocolate Milk. <laughs> <laughs> We've been recording this whole time, by the way. I know. I mean, it has been just like a... Probably the sounds of us picking up a pizza, like, the whole time. It's pretty much just been, like, an infinite recording of us talking in movies, so you could really just cut in wherever. What movie are we even watching? That's... that's, that's... Good question, Tori. What movie are we watching? 
Where did I put the disc? Wait, stop, shut up. You gotta do a thing. What's up, my beautiful honeys? What's up, my beautiful honeys? Thank you. This is No Degree, Season 2, Episode 2. We've already recorded one episode for episode, or Season 2. I recorded with my friend Harrison. Oh wait, you were here for Die Hard. No one was here. What? I'm offended. I'm offended. Can I go one episode without pissing you off? (laughs) No. This is bullshit. (laughs) I'm literally trying so hard to cater to you specifically, and yet I I had to blow her three times. She's impossible to please. Jesus. In fact, probably probably don't reveal the movie because you'll end up just like inadvertently ruining it for her somehow. (laughs) Probably. We are watching Prisoners. Which is my second favorite movie of all time. <coughs> What's your favorite movie? No, don't. don't Later in 2049. No, it's my, second, it's my second favorite movie of all time. <coughs> directed by Denis Villeneuve, who is the guy that directed Blade Runner 2049. I didn't know that. And, um, yeah, it's really good. And they all die at the end. So, spoiler <laughs> alert, they're all dead. <laughs> Let's ruin the movie for you. Well, I guess I can leave. Um, did you say you don't like the new Blade Runner? My parents figured. Why? Woo, 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 woo. They said they couldn't figure out what was going on. Had they seen the first one? Ow! I can't start talking about Blade Runner. <laughs> I can't get into this right now. Moving on. I can't do it. Prisoners. Yeah, second favorite movie of all time, right behind Her by Spike Jones. Ah. This is the movie that got me into movies. This podcast would not be happening if it wasn't for this. Mm. I can honestly say that. Going back to his roots. And, uh, yeah. It's going to be good. Me and Colin have seen it. Gabe and Tori haven't. That's right. That's very good. <coughs> it's got um, Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, Maria Bello, Terrence Howard, Melissa Leo, and Paul Dano is in it as well. Paul Dano? Who's that? Alex. Well, you've seen this? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's been a while, though. You haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Gabe hasn't seen it, so it qualifies. This movie has a very simple plot. Well, not simple plot, simple premise. Two families' daughters get kidnapped. They have to find them. But... Is it like Taken? It's... it's no, it's a remake of Taken. <laughs> Taken is a piece of shit. Is this basically this Taken art. 4? Yeah. Cool. It's a remake. <laughs> a remake. Wait, is Taken that one like a uh, fighting game for PlayStation? Yeah. Okay. Taken <laughs> Tag 2. Um, Tori's been playing the shit out of Taken 3 on the PlayStation. On the real, uh, this movie's the fucking shit. And uh, I really hope you guys that haven't seen it like it because uh, this is my... Easily in my top five. This movie, saying. this movie made me give a shit about Jake Gyllenhaal, which is the entire reason that I watched Night Watcher with what's Night Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Oh, that's a good movie I've seen recently that I didn't mention before. That was that's a great a weird movie. one, right? It yeah, is weird, weird. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, he's a weird guy. He did well in that movie. He he, he does well in this one. Is okay in this movie. Is he like you know really just like. Kind of like nervous, almost like paranoid. No. Looking down. Because that's like, because I've seen like Donnie Darko, I've seen Nightcrawler. What else? Not to the extent Zodiac. He's like, he's a fucking badass. He's always movie. just like, he's always like, I love Jake John Hall, but he's always kind of just like, he's the twitchy guy. He, yeah, he's kind of twitchy. No, he's of, the exact opposite in this. Like timid almost. He's awesome in this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing that then. Hugh Jackman, on the other hand. He's the timid, quirky, shaky guy. Understandably so, once you watch it, though. Yeah. This has some of the best performances delivered through some of the best cinematography that I've ever seen. Like, if, if uh... It's like one of those cases where a less experienced director would have made this, it wouldn't be nearly as good. So... Okay. I feel this movie's often overlooked when people talk about it. No one knows what it is. Every time I met, bring it up, no one knows what it is. Yeah. 2013. Wouldn't that have been one of Deneuve's, like, Deneuve's, but, uh, Deneuve's. It was his first American movie. Oh my gosh. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. Like, if it was his, kind of his first film, he probably had to gradually get in. Because he came out with uh, Insomnia, I think, was his last one in 2010, before this. Then he had a bunch of other French movies. Gotcha. So this was his first... I don't know if... I guess American would be, but it's definitely his first English movie. Gotcha. What nationality is he? French Canadian. Yeah. Oh. And uh, he's come out with a movie every year since 2013, and they've all been amazing. He came out with this, then he came out with Arrival, then he came out with Sicario, then he came out with... I heard Sicario was awesome. Was, was Arrival 2014 or 2016? 2016. Which, what was his 2014 movie? Um, was that Sicario? Sicario was 2014. 2015 was... Fuck. Wasn't... Didn't you write one where it's like, it started with A, I know that much. Arrival. <laughs> Not Arrival. <laughs> I forget. Oh, I can't remember, I gotta but look it up. It's embarrassing. Didn't all I know is Sicario, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049. Actually, did, awesome. I don't think he came out with the movie last year, so maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. He's directing a Dune remake, though. I'd love to see that. David Lynch's Dune is just such an awkward oh, uh, movie. So he came out with two movies in 2013, no movie in 2014. So he had Prisoners and Enemy. So he had Prisoners and Enemy in 2013, both starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. And then he had Sicario, Arrival, and then the new Blade Runner, and he's working on Dune right now. <clears throat> nice. Okay. Well, I love Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. So, I'm excited. Is there any advice going into prisoners again that you can? <clears throat> any advice you have for us before we watch this movie? Try and pay attention to the small stuff. There's a lot of details in this movie <clears throat> that it makes it fun to watch it multiple times because there's a lot of stuff to pick up on because everything makes perfect sense. So there's a no lot holes. of holes. Like, seriously, no holds at all. There's only one that I can't think of. There's only, like, one line of dialogue that I can think of that doesn't, like, tie into the overall movie. Wow. And it's at the very beginning, so I don't even know if that even matters. So. Color me aroused. Let's get it's, into it. It's all, it's all, it's, it's pretty much perfect. <laughs> all right. Not perfect, but, because nothing is, but it's really good. Okay. And if you guys are ready to get into it, I am. I think so. we are. Sounds good. On that note, let's do it. We'll meet up with the listeners after the break. The honeys. Have we started recording? Just now. Oh, just now. Okay. I should have started it. When you flushed the toilet. When he was pissing. <laughs> so what's up, guys? Amazing. What'd you think? Tori, how much did you hate it this time? I loved that. You liked it? But I don't Woo! know what to say. <laughs> oh, yes, Tori liked it. Tori liked the movie. Round of applause. Screw you guys. Tori liked the movie. Yay. Yeah. Speech, 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 speech. All right, I want to hear from Tori first. Why'd you like it? Why? Because it kept you like on the edge of your seat the entire time. Oh, it's very messed with your head. I mean, you... Throw in anything to do, like, I mean, literally Stockholm Syndrome, you know? Like, it all connects. That's, that's, see, that's how you get me. Is it all connects. Throw in something I like. It all connects. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, I told you. So my I, mean, top I didn't doubt you, but I'm really glad that everyone didn't die. <laughs> it's like the off. opposite. No one died. I know. Except for, you know, yeah. Bob Taylor. And uh, Evil Lady. Oh, and Evil Lady, yeah. I'd like to dedicate this episode to uh, Bob Taylor. Yeah. Taking one for the team, mm-hmm. literally. Do you guys understand how everything happened? Because that's what yeah. I didn't get the first time I watched it. You have a pretty good grasp. Oh, yeah. Like, you understand how the guy that was in the priest in the father's basement was the husband that yeah. left the wife and stuff? I figured that out. Okay. Because I didn't get that at all the first time I watched it. Really? Like, um, I mean, I understood that, but I didn't really understand, like, the significance of it. Like, mm-hmm. it took me, like, two watches to really, like, have it sink in. Right. 
So I just wanted to make sure everyone. As soon should. as she said like her husband disappeared and she was putting. I feel bad for saying this because he's a he, like he's a great character. But what's Hugh Jackman's character's name? Uh, Keller Dover. Keller. Why do? Usually it's bad when you forget a character's name, but I just legitimately forgot. It's a weird um, name. But Keller, name. yeah. When I she was like, character names, so you know, telling him about how her husband left and they were waging a war on God, I was like, that's the guy in the basement. Yep. That's why it's so, it's, that's why it's so good. Because nothing starts to really connect until you get to the final act of the film. And you're presented with all these weird, you know, kind of bizarre and seemingly unrelated events. And they don't, they don't begin to start to sew themselves together until the movie starts to close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd already seen this before, and even I forgot, why the hell is he at this church? You know, what's the deal with the father sleeping on the floor? Who's the guy in the basement? What the hell does this have to do with the missing girl? I thought, okay, maybe this is just... This movie, I think, from the beginning, it kind of presents itself as a very realistic or kind of gray scenario in that it's not super cinematic, especially how it begins. I mean, it's kind of the, the anti-role for Hugh Jackman especially because, I mean, we're used to him being Wolverine, but in this, he's just... An average guy. There's nothing mm-hmm. special about him. He doesn't even drive a cool old truck, you know. He has a weird name. Insignificant. Keller. Everything about it is insignificant. I mean, like, it's in some Rust Belt town in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. you know, murky Midwest. It's a, you know, shitty little tri-level house. And nothing about it seems to really stand out. I think that's what makes this movie so great is it presents itself as very realistic and plausible idea in that you know there are all kinds of weird you know deep dark secrets all around you and you don't find them until you really go looking for them mm-hmm. if you're Jake Gyllenhaal and to me that that's that's kind of where I was at in the second act of the film is just okay all this weird shit is happening but it could just be because this movie goes out of its way to present itself as you know a, a very realistic or gray scenario Something that right. mm-hmm. is uh, obviously less cinematic than, you know, you know what I mean. Right. Even the score, I mean, there's really um, the score itself is is kind of muted, and it, I think it's really strategic where they do use the few like orchestral sounds that they have, but even in like the soundtrack as well. Like, I think the only song I heard at all was 10 seconds of the Radiohead song at the very end. But then they they shut it off on the boombox, and I think that to me is some sort of weird statement that I'm trying to understand, but I don't really know what's going on. What do you guys think am I, about it being a, a gray movie, you know? Well, I definitely agree with your take on it being super like realistic. Uh, the thing that I love about it is how it can do that and still have such an intertwined plot with so many mm-hmm. because there's like upwards of like 10 characters interacting in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to do that all in the confines of like maybe three or four different locations. See, there's the house, the police office, the rundown apartment, and I guess maybe the hospital. Is there any other major locations in the movie? Oh, wait, no, not the hospital. Um, uh, Alex, the uh, aunt's house, Holly Jones. Those are like the four locations that stuff happens at. And all the shit is like connected between them. And it's so successful in that. I think that's awesome. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. Even, even um, from a physical standpoint, at least visually, in, in the shots in which they're traveling to these major locations in the film, you know, those in and of themselves are very significant and extremely well thought out. Especially, I mean, most notably, when he's ripping down the road in the police cruiser, blood streaming in his eyes, 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's starting to be able to see less and less. You know, it's it's slippery out. His wipers suck. He's. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, it that, it's an incredibly atmospheric sequence. You know, it's very. I don't know. It just seems very. Uh, it's kind of fully fledged. I mean. I saw Tori tensing up every time he looked like he was about to like run into somebody, you know. Right. But that's because she's used to driving with you, so. It's you're not. Even you're not. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, the freaking. Like, did you guys notice the part where he's looking? He's going and talking to all the sex offenders near the beginning. Mm-hmm. The first one he talks to. You get like his face close up. The second one you talk to, it's outside of the house in a window. And then the third one you talk to, there's fog over the window. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like to think that's a representation of like I'm getting farther from the point. Mm-hmm. And then when right. he gets to the father's house, it's a straight up door. You can't even see him until you go around and sort of look into the window and see him passed out on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like it keeps on building up until you can't see it all, and then he has to make his own way around, break the rules a little bit. Like it's about. I like to think it's like a demonstration through cinematography of how um, Loki doesn't play by the book to try and get this crime solved. Oh, definitely. There was a lot of, of like visual commentary yeah. in the film. Like even like the maze drawings on the wall, I noticed that one of them kind of looked like the map in the police station mm-hmm. and just like stuff like that. The whistle, of course, just so many like good visual cues in the movie. Yeah. When I first watched this and Keller found the whistle in the bottom of the pit, that, like, fucked me up. I was like, holy shit, they found the whistle. Like, right. All this stuff still happened. That little whistle is, like, a, such an important element in the movie. Right. Yeah, and also, like, the maze drawing. Like, I remembered seeing, like, that, like, necklace, like, early on in the yeah. film. Like, I was surprised I caught that. that I, I would think that that would be something I'd catch on the second viewing. But I saw it, and I'm like, wait, isn't that... Kind of like the necklace or something, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's another really great thing. Um, is they don't literally spell it out for you. They don't rely on writing, on the you know, on the dialogue in the film to you know help you tie all these ends together. You have to pay attention to what they're very carefully trying to compose yeah. for you. That's why I was telling you guys like you have to make sure you're watching because if you're looking away for like one shot, you might miss something really important, right. and then nothing else is going to make sense. Mm -hmm. because like for example what you were saying like the shot of the guy in the basement of the father's house with the necklace on if you were like looking at your phone or something for like literally three seconds while that shot happened Mm -hmm. that end where he looks at the photo and sees the necklace on him that wouldn't make any sense it would have been like oh like (laughs) you conveniently found that photo good for you yeah there's so many parallels between the beginning and end of this movie like how Mm -hmm. the beginning um by the way, I'm going to be talking a lot, probably, so if you guys have something to say, just tell me to shut up. Okay, but first of all, uh, <laughs> 6 out of 10. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, uh, I just wanted to rouse all of One of my favorite ones is how, at the beginning, uh, um, Franklin can barely play the trumpet. And then at the end, Keller can barely play the whistle. I thought that was cool. It's like... Yeah. I don't know. I like to think there's something there. I don't know what how to put it into words, but there's something, some kind of parallel there between like the very beginning when all their lives are super happy and the very end when they're just trying to get back to it. I noticed that um, similar uh, with the how they how they show the RV in the Trans Am. Um, both of those vehicles have a very specific specific shot. It's a close up of their illuminated taillight. Yeah. And yeah. it's the only time a vehicle is uh, represented like that in the whole film is that RV and that Trans Am. But at that point, you already know the connection. Yeah. Just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. that's why, like, this is my favorite director, by the way, like this guy. And that's, he's so good at just implementing visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, Arrival is probably, it's not my favorite movie by him, but it's probably the best in terms of, like, uh, like cinem- cinematic narrative I guess might be a good way to put it oh yeah um, he's just so good at doing that like putting stuff there that the viewer can understand whether how what no matter how long it takes them 
Mm-hmm. Everything that he does makes sense with like the rest of his movies. Like there's no bullshit. Everything. This is what I was thinking. Like with this and all of his other films, they're very balanced. Yeah. And not not compromised. They're balanced. On this show, we've talked about how there's some movies where we're like, wow, this is so like minimalistic that it's incredible what they're able to do with it. And then other films, it's like, we just think, okay, like they, you know, put a lot of effort into it and it was amazing. This, it was like very in the middle, but it was like very balanced in visual storytelling, you know, very like telling in dialogue. It was just a very balanced film. It wasn't, like I said, not compromised. It wasn't like it had to sacrifice in places. It was just, like, balanced on all fronts. Talk about something. I have to plug my computer. But, yeah. Anyways, Oliver's plugging his computer in, so I'm going to share my thoughts. Uh, first of all, this film, like we said, is called Prisoners. And when I, you know, think of... When I watch a movie, sometimes I think, like, why is this movie called this? And in this case, Prisoners, I thought, like, when, like because I haven't researched this movie at all, but usually, like, when I saw the movie Prisoners, I thought, like, is this just going to be about some prisoners trying to escape, or, like, you know, what, what are they going to do with this? But then it occurred to me that really everyone in the film is kind of a prisoner in the sense that they're very set in their ways. Like, Keller is convi- like thoroughly convinced that um, Alex Jones uh, is just... Like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't just deal with kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I laughed when they said his name was Alex Jones, too. But, like, especially when they're, like... They for me until right now. Like, like, they're just like, he has an IQ of a 10-year-old, and I was, like, stifling laughter. But anyways... So, anyways... Basically, destroy the child. <laughs> but, but, oh, totally, come on. Keller's like just dead set on Alex being, you know, the bad guy, and Loki is kind of has this sort of thing where he keeps like tracking Keller because he's think he thinks he's in on it, and everybody's very set in their ways. And you met. It's funny how you mentioned this is a very gray movie because like I think that's what they're kind of going for is if people you know, kind of communicated what they saw because you could tell that Keller was kind of figuring things out and Loki was kind of figuring things out, but they they were kind of pitted against each other to the point where the grand picture wasn't coming together. And one of the things I truly loved about this movie is, I mentioned everyone's kind of a prisoner, but in the sense, watching it, I felt trapped too. Just being behind the screen and not being able to say, hey, like, you should investigate this, or you should look into this, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was crazy, because I think the turning point was when they got uh, Bob Taylor, because at that point I thought, I, I, I hope it's not him, because if they had all this build-up, and then it's like, oh, it's just this random lunatic... The snakes, this like he's just like crazy, and that was all it built up to. I'd have been really upset, but then after that point, everything starts to kind of come together. We start to realize the grand scheme, and everyone's really imprisoned by uh, Mrs. Jones, who's very much a puppet master character, which I love in those types of movies, especially since puppet masters tend to make the best villains. Mm-hmm. The Joker, Hannibal Lecter, they're evil and they have control of every situation. Yeah, man. It's just, it's just dope shit. Dope shit. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to watch this like seven more times. It's and crazy. And I feel like I could get something I get, new. I get something new time. every time. I, I've probably seen it. This actually might be my seventh watch. So, like, what was. So, I, like, I want to know what their reasoning behind having, like, Bobby continue on with the snakes because like, apparently that was the husband's thing right that I one. think he was just like a follower of them right um, well no he was one of their kids though yeah no that's yeah. what I'm saying like he just wasn't yeah. trying to continue the yeah whatever the tradition well if you think about it Alex Jones is clearly a you know completely dysfunctional human being you know mm-hmm. can't 
he's not uh, not really able. Um, he's not developed enough to make his own decisions. Probably as some sort of thanks to taking LSD at six years old. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I would, I would say the same yeah. for for Bob Taylor. I um, I found it you know perfectly believable that in some sort of as some sort of some sort of coping mechanism he would leave clues either for himself or for others to eventually find him um, or at least to reenact his uh, his traumatic events that he experienced himself mm-hmm. um, to me it wasn't wasn't that it didn't seem that you know perplexing like like oh yeah you're fucked up perplexing maybe you, you play a snake still even you know mm. this is what you know now you were Stolen away at a very young age, you never fully developed. You're just a fucking lunatic. Yeah. Okay. Of course you're gonna fuck around with kid clothes and snakes. Because you're practically an MK Ultra experiment. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much we can go into detail mm-hmm. on here. Regularly at least ten is amazing. One thing yeah. that was sorry. Go ahead. No. One thing that I was thinking was interesting is when they got to the point where they um. Where they like solved, where they found both the girls. So, you know, they found Hannah. Like, there was. Anna, yeah. There was a point where it was just like, where I thought they better not do, like, pull some sort of cliffhanger bullcrap of, like, you know, not everything is solved. But there was a point, like, after they found the girls, like, you know, are they going to find, are they going to find Keller or not? But at that point, I thought, you know what? Like, it would be kind of cool if they just ended it where they didn't find him at all, and it just left you with that feeling of being trapped. I don't know if you guys kind of felt the feeling no, of being trapped. Agree. But like, I felt that. And usually in a movie like this, I would have been like, "Oh, come on!" Like they had to do the lazy cliffhanger, the like that sort of thing. And I think this kind of you know straddled the line where they he pretty much found him, but they don't yes. show it. But Honestly, I would have been perfectly fine if they just pretty much implied that they never found Keller or, like, they kept it, like, very ambiguous because it would have just sustained that feeling that I had been feeling throughout the entire film. The first time I watched this this movie, I thought, ah, well, fuck them, you know. Yeah, why, why are you leaving me on the cliffhanger? And I didn't, I didn't, um, I wasn't able to pick up on as much as we're discussing now to realize that... Now my own personal opinion is that it's not a cliffhanger per se anymore because he's hearing the whistle, mm-hmm. you know, he, he already shrugs it off once, right. and he keeps hearing it, and he's getting that look in his eye like he's about to go kick somebody's ass, as he frequently did throughout the, the right. film. But also, before, before that final scene, there's one, maybe even two other instances that... Um, that, that occur where they deliberately fade to black or cut away mm-hmm. and choose to not show you something. And oh, one of the ones that I remember is when he finds Alex. They fade out to black and don't actually show him actually discovering him. He just, right. he hears him and that's it. He starts to go investigate. Mm-hmm. And if you pay attention to how, where the shots are being, if you pay attention to how, um, the detective is being filmed in the very last scene, you can kind of comprehend in your mind that he's looking at the Trans Am as he's hearing that whistle. And that's when the, yeah. the credits roll. Mm-hmm. I loved this so scene. Where I personally believe if we got two more minutes of film, you know, he'd have been like banging on the Camaro trying to like see what the hell's going on. Right. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He always gets these weird hunches and just starts breaking rules, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, he is led by a demonic bunny rabbit. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> That's a different Jake John Hall movie. What's, what were you about to say? You, there's a scene you liked? Oh, we referenced it earlier. It was where he was driving because it's like, as everything's fading and getting more blurry, it's like he's getting even more ensnared. Yeah. That was... That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like he was just losing more and more control, and like he was re- realizing it at that point. Yeah. But 
the whole time you realize that he, like I've been saying, he was imprisoned, like, mentally, as many of the characters were. You can make a claim where every time it does cut to black or fade to black, it's Loki solving a case. At the beginning of the movie, they're like, you've solved every case that you have, right? Mm-hmm. That you ever had, right? And he's yeah. like, yeah. And then it like, cut to black when he found Alex. It cut to black at the very end when he was about to find Keller. When's, when's the other time? It, there, was a, uh, there was another big moment it for sure. It didn't cut to black when he found Annie, though. It cut to black like when he brought her to the hospital, though. Yeah. Like he was walking sure. in and it was like, yeah. cut to black. It couldn't have cut but to there, black when he found Annie because okay, he had to I'm shoot that bitch in the face. It, it, it faded to black when he brought her to the hospital. What was there was another moment? Do you guys remember what it was? I can't remember. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't. I can't think of it. Did it have to do with the pastor, the priest? I don't think so. Um. Anyway, there's some meaning behind it. We need to watch it again. I've watched countless analysis of this movie, analyses, and Analysi. I still don't understand the level of detail that it has. I don't understand how you can create something as cohesive as this. I mean, it's such a simple plot and it's so good. Like, right, but like when you get thousands of hands on this, I mean, I like he this guy had to have been fucking meticulous, you know, to the nth degree to still come out with with right. the movie that I can't find any any plot holes, anything that doesn't make sense. All Literally, the, I was relation. telling you guys the only scene that I can't find ties to is the very first time you see Sergeant Loki in the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, where he talks about the calendar. I guarantee you, if we just really sat down and said, you that know, is the only scene that bothers me in this movie. I just don't. Under, I can't. He's denied out his why. fortune cookie. Why? Why is he denied his fortune? I just don't get why they discussed the waitress and the waitress's boss uh, like years or whatever if they are on the Chinese on the Chinese. Calendar. I think felt like it was trying to tell the kind of person he was. I don't know. Maybe it was a comparison of Keller and the sergeant. I don't know. Well, another thing is they never get direct answers. Yeah. I mean, you could imply that Bob Taylor and Alex Jones are fortune cookies that just won't crack. Now we're getting. Now we're That's getting true. deeper. That, yeah, Alex only deep. fucking speaks in riddles. It seems like some right. sort of bad fortune so, cookie. You'll so, find them in the maze. And so, what the like, fuck is that? And so Loki's just they like. They only cried when I left. So Loki's just like, hey, like, you know, what's my fortune? And like, the answer is just not going to come that easy. Mm-hmm. So did Alex escape? What was he doing in the RV, staring at the woods? Was he well, in the pit with the girls and somehow? Got out no, of the pit uh, and got so the RV. What happened was he basically picked the girls up, like took them on the drive, probably took them to the aunt's house. Then the aunt was like, You're staying here. Then Alex went and like probably either forgot about it or did whatever. Went and parked by the gas station and then got so scared from the cops that he like tried to drive away but just was so scared he couldn't see where he was going and ran into mm-hmm. the woods. Because, like, this kid, this guy, he grew up, like, drugged. Like, he can't think straight. And he looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. With emo hair. I, I felt like they were in on it. So, don't you think he could have purposefully no, you, you picked knew, up the girls? You knew in the, back of, in the back of Alex's mind, he knew what happened. He just didn't have the ability to express it. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, like, the lines, like, they only cry when I left them, or... It's there in the. It, you'll find them in the maze. Like he knew what happened. He just couldn't. His just brain didn't work enough to be able to tell Keller what's going on. And so I guess when the cops pulled up at the very beginning, he just freaked out and tried to get away, and then just messed up. But I could be totally wrong. I don't know. I'm, I'm an idiot. So. No, it's crazy. Like there were times where I'm just like. Why won't you just like talk, you piece of crap? Like yeah. I was like legitimately mad at them because there were moments, because there were moments where, like when he tried to escape after uh, one lady like untied him, and you know when he was actually like saying stuff, I thought like okay, like there there's something up with you clearly. Just just 
spill the beans. But it's like we wanted to use the hot water on them. You talk, <laughs> yeah. you fucking idiot. I would love to have seen an alternate, an alternate cut of this movie where, when he when he gets to the ant's house, he just starts building a fucking trap shower in the kitchen, and putting her in that. Oh. Instead of her <laughs> pulling a gun on him. Yeah. Burned hand in my ass. I was starting to even. This doesn't add anything to our conversation, but thought, God, what, what kind of movie would this be, if when they find, when Joy's in the hospital. And he's trying to get answers out of joy. He just starts building another fucking trap shower in the, in the <laughs> hospital room. Like, you gonna fucking talk? I don't Put know. Put joy you. in there. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> just trap cuts shower. in with the saw again. <laughs> in the corner of the hospital room. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> trap showers. Hey, are, are trap showers comparable to basements? I guess so. This hat movie had some pretty good, some good basements. basements. The basement in Keller's and the Dover's house. Yeah. Pretty nice basement. That's probably my favorite aspect of this movie is how Keller was so prepared for every danger that could possibly Church strike basement. his family, mm-hmm. except for losing his family. Right. Oh my gosh. Because that's, uh, that's another one of the reasons is why I wanted you guys to pay so much attention to the dialogue is because in the very beginning it says... Um, He's, he says to uh, Ralph, he's like, Ralph is the son, if you yeah. remember, but um, he's like, whatever happens, gas runs out, food runs out, people turn on each other, then the only thing keeping you alive is you. Like, that's exactly what happens to Keller and his family, like, throughout this movie. Like, the only thing keeping Keller going is him. Like, even, like, Franklin helps him for a second, and then, that, like, stops after his wife um, says no, and then it's only Keller like pushing himself the whole time and that's like the one danger he wasn't prepared for which I that's that's my favorite like theory or thought about the movie I guess yes (laughs) (laughs) it's like hard to Usually there's, if there's like space in the podcast, it's like there's, you're just kind of don't know where to take the conversation next. But right now I'm just trying to think of all this shit that's going on in my brain. It's just trying to zone in oh, on yeah. one aspect of it. It's, uh, it's like, you know, the fortune cookie and the, the Chinese restaurant. Well, that's just it. There's so, this generates so much of a conversation. It's hard to know what to talk about because there's just too many options Mm -hmm. that's how well executed this movie was incredible that's all of his movies are too if you haven't seen all of his rest all the rest of his movies very highly recommended especially Blade Runner (sighs) (laughs) what's next week Next week, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We're recording less frequently now. Uh, or are we? <laughs> My schedule's more regular now that I'm work. You know, working. Oh yeah, that's right. So you you fell out of it when school got too hard. Yeah. Do we want to watch this in Spinal Tap? We could. I watched. I've never seen it. I have one too. Right here. This is, this is Spinal Tap. Good for a romp. Yeah, I think it'll be a good break because one, it's only like, eighty-five minutes. Is, and it, is Spinal Tap a real band? No, it's it's like a mockumentary, about it's a cool last name, Spinal Tap. Yeah. yeah. But, pretty much, I think it'll be a good break just because. Like, we watched Die Hard and then Prisoners. Okay, actually, they don't know about Die Hard. They don't know about Die Hard. Die Hard's off the books. Redact that statement. Um, I'm going to censor that in the podcast, and everyone's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're talking about Pie Hard with Betty Crocker. Anyways. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good, good break from, you know, these hardcore action movies. Yeah, These long movies. I mean, we're almost at time anyway, so it's probably a good time to... 
tone down the discussion, even though I just want to talk about this movie forever. I mean, do we want to give a rating and then if thoughts occur? Because I'm sure people will justify their ratings and then people will compile onto that. Yeah, we can do ratings. Who wants to go first? I give it a 12. 12? Out of what? 10. You liked it that much? I really liked that movie. I told you I need to watch it again, and I'm kind of mad that we had to talk about it right after, because I wanted like an hour to think about it. I give it three gold stickers. <laughs> three gold and a smiley face. <laughs> and a wow, you great job. Gold, you give it the gold noodle of the class. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I give it a nine. What are you taking a point off for? Um, I think that... So I really want to give it a 10 really bad. So give it a 10. And if it were subjective, yes, I'd give it a 10. But um, I think the one thing that this movie could do better is um, there's sort of like a lot of time where characters are just kind of like looking at stuff. I feel like that could be sort of cut down a little bit. It's like, and it's not bad. Like, it doesn't bother me, but it could bother someone, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of points in the movie where there's like, what are you doing? Why are you ra- making your rating based off of what someone else could be feeling? Because I try, to look feeling. At, I try to look at it objectively. <laughs> Oliver's a nice guy. This is a, this is a This is a part. But everyone can make their Okay, fine. That's my, my opinion. opinion. My opinion. <laughs> it's my second favorite movie. movie at all time. You know, I give it a ten. I know, out of 10. That's why I can't give you. Like, can't believe you're giving it a nine. I'm saying there's parts of the movie where people could consider it boring. I could see that. That's all I'm saying. And then they can say, "Oh, I thought this movie was boring." Those are and people that say, shouldn't watch movies. Yeah, exactly. Like this, anyway. Maybe you shouldn't. I mean, like, there's people that listen to my podcast that want recommendations on what to watch. So this I, is a movie you should watch. So I try to give them <laughs> honest opinions of what people respond to it's my show Tori it's my show <laughs> excuse the okay? shit out of me yeah excuse the shit out of you I can't I can't relate I don't, I don't think there are, are any parts of the movie that are a slow burn I didn't think so either and I I haven't really liked many I movies. think it's no I, I'm not I'm saying all I'm saying is someone could think that I don't I, I don't think that at all someone could I mean, there's people out there that sure. think Man of Steel is a good movie. Okay. So there's a bunch, <laughs> of, there's a bunch of shitheads out there, they're, right? They're not people. So I'm, kidding. I'm just trying. I'm they just stopped trying. being people when they thought Man of Steel was <laughs> Anyway, 10 out of 10 for me. Whatever. I hope you're happy, Tori. <laughs> Give it your 9. Nope. I don't know how this movie <laughs> slips through the cracks. It's not... I've never I don't know heard people don't talk about this more. Well, it's I because, think this is the best discussion we've ever had in a podcast. It's because it's his first English movie, and no one knew it wasn't a blockbuster when it came out. Like, no one's talking about who wrote this. By the way, it was it him? Is this his screenplay? No, it wasn't written by him. Even um, so, I don't know who wrote it, but uh, like, it's basically it's the first transition from foreign film, like. There's no way that's going to be a blockbuster in the United States. Right. That's got to be it, because now that it makes sense that he's not an American director, because it doesn't feel like an American movie at all. Mm-mm. It's not no. cinematic. That's why I was calling it gray. It just seems like people go to movies to be entertained, mm-hmm. and that's why most of the time in a movie there's never a gray situation. It's always black or it's white it's either mm-hmm. you know super drawn out or super dry but in in this movie there's it's kind of ambiguous and the characters are kind of ambiguous like you know he starts out kind of a good guy and you're like yeah go for you know go for it man but then you know it's hard to sympathize him when he's beating the shit out of some disabled guy i mean right but then at, then again like would you not if someone stole your daughter? So, I mean, it's just, that's why it works so well. It's pre- presented in a perfectly plausible setting, with perfectly plausible characters that are just gray. And now it makes a lot of sense that he's not an American director because, you know, a lot of foreign films kind of play out like that. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Anyway, that's my two cents. What do you rate it, Gabe? I really want to give it a 10, too, honestly. Like, it was just, like I said, it was very well balanced. It kept me intrigued the whole two hour and 45 minute runtime. And if I had any gripes, they weren't problems, they were just areas of improvement. Like, there could have, there were some characters that I felt were kind of, you know, a little top or bottom heavy in the storyline. Like, they could have been integrated through the movie more, but it didn't, that didn't hurt, and it didn't matter because the major characters were the prime focus and the, you know, prisoners of the movie, you would say. Um, if I had to be literal, I'd give it a 9.9 repeating, like in Calculus. Where it looks like it's 9, but it's really a 10, because it not, the 9 keeps repeating infinitely. So, I'm just, I'm just being stupid now, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to say, yeah, this is probably about as perfect as a film can get. I'm glad that you pointed out that it's 2 hours and 45 minutes long, because I feel like, especially in today's day and age, where everybody's used to instant gratification... It's hard mm-hmm. not to distract yeah, yourself. Yeah. Or to this pull your movie phone this out. long like wasn't a thing in 2013. Absolutely, and I think right. especially nowadays, um, you're asking too much of. I would say the majority of people to pay attention for more than an hour and a half. This is almost double that, and honestly, even me, I love watching movies, you know, good and bad ones, but sometimes. You know, even if it's my favorite movie, I just want it to fucking end so I can go do something else, you know? Yeah. Right. So I can get on with my day. This is a movie, even after two hours and 45 minutes, I'm kind of pissed that it's over. Because I'd honestly probably sit and watch it for another three hours. Mm-hmm. Right. That'd be cool if it was like a series. Like a oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It would work really well. Oh, definitely. Something you could just binge on Netflix, just shit your whole day away. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd do it, too. So would yeah. I. I'd uh, get a catheter... In a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, Oliver, I could see where you're saying how some people could be mad about how long some of the things are drawn up, but I think that it worked out well because it, oh, it yeah. made me, like, it just, that's why I was saying it, like, kept me on the edge of my seat. Like, I wanted to know so bad, but I was so glad that it wasn't like, a, in 45 minutes I found out, like, everything, and then it's like, why am I watching the rest of the movie? Right. No, I totally, I, mean? like, I, I totally agree. Like I'm not saying but I that. also didn't realize that it was that long of a movie, so it didn't feel like I waited two hours and forty five yeah. minutes to figure out. It's like just, just some people watch movies for three hours. What straight. you were saying, like people just want to sh- see shit happen on screen. It's true. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep saying. I've said it probably half the episodes. That's why these Marvel podcasts. movies are so popular. But like, yeah. there's like some I, someone could be watching this and be like, three Transformers. Where are the Transformers? <laughs> <laughs> and like. It's, it's stupid, but prisoners? it's, it's Where's all the prisoners? <laughs> <laughs> They're in the maze. Speaking of Marvel, everyone needs to see Into the Spider-Verse. It's my favorite movie of 2018. Not even kidding. It's a bold statement. Not um, even fucking kidding. It's so good. I saw it three times. <laughs> it is awesome. I bet it's my phone background. Nice. I think mine would be Halloween. I'm, just, I'm a horror movie guy, so sorry. I'm making a um, commentary video on Spider-Man and the impact it has on both my life and culture. So be ready for that. I wish we could watch the first and second movies of Sam Raimi's trilogy and do that as a podcast. Why can't we? Because we've all seen it. It goes against our rules. I haven't seen them in ages. I'd be fine with that. Have I seen them? I've seen one of them. Dude, I'm down. Yeah. Because the score from the first Spider-Man movie fucking blows my mind. When I want to get shit done, I put on Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, man. Anyway. Any closing thoughts, guys? This is a good episode. Watch that yeah. movie. This is a good-ass episode. Put your fucking phone down. Yeah, set aside three hours and go watch this movie. Me. I saw you. 
I was on my phone. I'm not gonna I saw lie. You. This is also my seventh time watching the movies. I was talking to the honeys, not all of them. I was talking about This is a movie that there's there's just no way you'd actually pull your phone out while you're watching. And if you do, you're gonna miss it. It's not gonna you have to watch it for this five times before you know what times I did on my phone, I worked there as Before we have to finish this episode too. Oh, anyway, put it away. Sorry. Thank you.